Welcome to the Weekly Spiral. You are tuned in to episode 62. Today we have an exciting one for you. We're going to talk NFL news. We're going to talk winners and losers from week seven. And then we're going to take a look forward at week eight into what we consider the games of the week. My name is Cyrus and I have my co-host with me as usual, Casey Sully and Matthew Durgan. How are you both doing? Doing good. No complaints. Doing good. My picks are still a little tough, but the Packers won this week. So, you you know, that made up for it a little bit. Yeah, Packers are kind of on a roll, so not much that you can complain about that I will be sympathetic towards in any aspect of the sport, <laughs> but um, yeah, your picks, not great. Not great the past few weeks. Right. I'm catching up a little, slowly. Uh, I, slowly. I think we're just both slowly falling behind Durgan. That's it's also uh, happening. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> El campeón right here, so far. It's, the, well, the, the secret to my success is just picking all the favorites and seeing what happens. Well, let, let's read them off so people can be uh, right, yes. updated. Durgan's at seventy-three and thirty-one on the season. Uh, I'm coming in at sixty-seven and thirty-seven, and then Cyrus is bringing up the caboose uh, with with a record of sixty-two and forty-two. So Durgan's six picks ahead of me. I'm five picks ahead of Cyrus. Uh, but uh, you know, a lot of a lot of seasons still left a lot to, of game to left. catch up and make up ground. Yeah, not even halfway oh. done. Yet. Yeah, hundred percent. There's there's still time, you know, for me to catch up to you and for you to catch up to Durgan and maybe we can maybe we can reverse this order. That'd be pretty sweet. I don't think so. Hope not. No. <laughs> I just <laughs> want to no. point out though, you know, overall I think all of these are pretty good. Like we're yeah. all doing yeah. pretty good. Job. All over sixty percent. Um, but you know, Durgan being a being a gambling and betting maestro, it doesn't really cater to, to our skill sets here, Casey. He knows <laughs> he knows who to pick in games, so um, he does. Yeah, I know, guys. We need some more of those magical tweets from you, man. Ah, uh, not, not so magical as of late. Not so magical <laughs> oh, no? as of late. Yeah, All that's right. rough. Well, game picks, yes. Spread yes, picks, awful. Uh, no, awful. We're thinking okay. of those. Well, speaking of awful, that's a good segue into some NFL news this week. Odell Beckham Jr. You know, he was hurt in the game, and then unfortunately confirmed later to be a torn ACL. So his season with the Browns is done. Um, unfortunate news, you know, not what you want to see if you're the Browns. I know OBJ hasn't really been lighting it up on the stat sheet, but, uh, you know, he had one huge game and he's still a, he's still a decent contributor on that team. And he's definitely a threat for other uh, defenses to game plan against. So this is a kind of a big loss. What do you guys think on this one? How does it impact the outlook for the Browns? We talked about this in the off season. I still think Odell Beckham Jr. is one of the biggest stars in the league in terms of marketability uh, awareness. People all across the world know who he is, uh, more so for his off-field behavior than his on-field behavior. Uh, it, it's tough to see, though. I mean, this is a tough blow for the league, tough blow for him, obviously. Uh, he's not getting any younger, and he's now had two pretty serious leg injuries. He had a broken leg a few years ago, not a torn ACL. In terms of the Browns, uh, we're going to talk about them more later uh, and for our games of the week, but the offense looked better without him. Baker started 0 for 5 and then ended the game 21 and 22. Uh, granted, they were playing the Bengals, so that's not a huge uh, accomplishment, I guess. But I'm interested to see if Baker is now kind of more free and has to force feed to OBJ. He can kind of open things up. Uh, only time will tell, but it's definitely intriguing now more so than ever this Browns team and how they'll uh, get better because they're 5 and 2, so they're pretty good. Yeah, I mean, the same thing sort of happened with Aaron Rodgers when Devontae Adams was out last year. 
uh, for a stretch of games as he sort of played within the system of the offense and was much more assist, uh, efficient, threw on time more, and sort of didn't uh, feel like he had to force feed the ball to anybody. Um, at the same time, you know, OBJ is a great talent and he opens up a lot of things for that offense. People have to worry about him in coverage and either shift coverage to him or then have to worry about Jarvis Landry and, and so on and so forth. So it's a little bit of that double-edged sword. Ideally, you know, Baker would be a consistent player, which he isn't at this point, and he would just play within the system. And if, you know, it says to throw to OBJ, then throw to OBJ. Um, but that seemed to not be the case all the time uh, up until this point. Um, so it, it's sort of a little bit of both. I, maybe this will sort of give Baker confidence in Stefanski's system um, and help him, help him feel comfortable there. And then when OBJ is back next year, um, he won't sort of feel like he has to funnel the ball to him and just let the play take him where it takes him. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think the biggest winner of all this might actually be Donovan Peoples-Jones, who was a sixth-round mm-hmm. pick. Um, and we all thought, we talked about this on the podcast during the draft and, and uh, prior to the draft, we all thought he would be a steal. And he's looking like he might be. He had some decent production in the last game. He made some plays. Um, so he may have a chance to develop, and that may be a big win both for the, the Browns organization as well as him personally as a wide receiver. So, uh, you know, it's tough for me to, to agree with Durgan's take, though, that they may be better off long-term without OBJ. I just I don't know if that's... He's one of the best wide receivers in the game, even if, it, like I said, it's not showing up on the, the stats. You know, so I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I don't, I'm, I'm a little conflicted on the Browns overall. I, I still think they're a good team, but this... This is unfortunate, I think, for for uh, OBJ since he really has never got it going in Cleveland, and we're kind of hoping to see him come on a little bit here this season. But um, we will see. Let's talk about another player that recently, as of today, I think is potentially. I mean, it's a rumor. We don't know 100, percent but could be on the trade block, and that is Stephon Gilmore of the Patriots. Go ahead, Casey. I'll let you uh, start this one okay. off. <laughs> I was just going to say, I feel like there's a take every rumor with a grain of salt as this trade deadline sure. comes mm-hmm. comes up, because uh, it seems like a ton of big names are all of a sudden out there. Um, but as far as the Patriots case goes, I I think we've sort of seen what we need to see from the Patriots, and they have shown us that they are not a competitor this year. Um, so if that is the case, and Bill Belichick agrees. Um, it seems very unlike him to sort of throw in the towel, but I think he's also a judicial guy and understands when, you know, it's time to sell some assets and rebuild. Uh, and if that's the case, then Stefan Gilmore is probably their best asset. You know, I don't know who, who, who do you want on the Patriots team? Like, who can they get any return for? Uh, Edelman, Gilmore, uh, I don't really know who else. Who, who can you get some significant uh, a pull from um, maybe Cam Newton. I think that's that's maybe a conversation that's worth having. If you know, I think the Dallas Cowboys might be a good fit there. He's on a one-year contract. Uh, you know, uh, Ben DiNucci is not necessarily the answer. Who knows how long Andy Dalton's going to yeah. be out? Um, but you know, the the Cowboys are are right in the thick of things at at two and four or whatever they are right now, and. Uh, they need a quarterback. So that might make sense. They might, you know, even if you threw a, like a third or fourth rounder or even worse at the Patriots, they might take it because it doesn't seem like Cam's going to be their answer for the future because he hasn't been playing very well. Yeah. Uh, like you said, take it with a grain of salt. 
Who knows if this is actually going to happen. There's other trade block, you know, rumors, Michael Thomas, Xavier Howard. But I think this one actually might happen because that's a very Belichick move. Get rid of a guy one year too early rather than one year too late. They have a lot of cap issues after the season they had to figure out and a huge you know, quarterback now. Like you said, they're not going to do anything this year. Uh, I will talk about that more later as well. But they're, they're done. Let's be honest. So if they can get a first rounder for Stephon Gilmore, and corners don't age well. I mean, they hit 30 usually, and they're on the downswing. If you get a first rounder for him, I think you absolutely do it. Yeah. Oh, and he's he's a man corner too. I mean, you see like Richard Sherman playing well, but he's a zone corner. It's a yeah. little bit less intensive than you know following someone around the field in man coverage. Sorry, Cyrus, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to totally agree. If you get a first-round offer, or you take that as the Patriots because your window is not open right now, and I think we've seen that so far. Um, and Stephon Gilmore is pretty much right in the prime of his career, maybe towards the, the latter end of his prime. And um, there's a, there's got to be teams out there kind of just salivating. I mean, he's, he's consistently been one of the best, if not the best, cornerback in the league the past few seasons. Um, so... If you have an opportunity to get him, I might even, I mean, I might even say if you're like a team on the cusp of making a push for the Super Bowl, you, you trade away that first and, and just go all in because he's, he's a, he's a talent. I mean, he's, he is a game changer on a, on a defense. Um, so what team makes sense? I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the Titans, um, maybe even Chiefs. like the, the Steelers, even if you want to double down on that defense, um, Niners, Niners need some, eh. some cornerback help. But I don't know that that they're all in at this point. We'll talk yeah. about that a little that's, later. That's the, yeah. Uh, but you know, Chiefs, I, I got to imagine we'll there's a market them. for Stephon Gilmore at the moment. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with Stephon Gilmore and if he's traded. Uh, the deadline will be interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are maybe in positions they didn't necessarily expect to be in and kind of just push all their chips in the middle of the table and and uh, do what they can to make a push for uh, that Lombardi Trophy. But let's move on to our next piece here. I don't know if this is necessarily news, but it was an interesting stat uh, that kind of alludes to Atlanta being the absolute worst fourth quarter team that we've seen in a little while. Uh, Durgan or Casey, which one do you want to kind of run through this sort of hilarious stat from Atlanta? Yeah, I just saw it on Reddit and thought it was uh, an interesting little uh, stat there. The Falcons win probability in the fourth quarter against the Cowboys, 99.9%. Against the Bears, they had a 99.6% chance to win. Against the Lions this last Sunday, they had a 95.9% chance to win until Todd Gurley went ahead and uh, fell into the end zone. Uh, Even though you could see his brain registered just like half a second too late that he wasn't supposed to do that. Uh, Took a a page out of Penn State's book and, uh, you know, gave the ball back to that Lions offense. And Matthew Stafford, clutch guy and... Drove the the lines down the field on some some pretty cool plays, and then scored on literally the last play of the game to to win. And then they got a penalty on that PAT and got backed up even further, but eventually made it and uh, won the game. So, you know, I I don't know. I'd be interested to hear you guys' thoughts on like how do you fix that sort of culture and mentality? Because uh, even if you bring in a new coach, right, that helps. But it's still all the players that have experienced these fourth quarter collapse, even stemming back to the Super Bowl. Well, I'll start off by saying, as someone who had the Falcons plus one and a half, I was pumped that Gurley scored a touchdown until I realized after three plays of the Lions that, okay, they're actually going to come back and win. So, Falcons, I hate you. Uh, in terms of, like, yeah, like you said, 
teams have to learn how to win. It's not an easy thing to do, surprisingly. Um, I thought Raheem Morris, like, oh, if he gets back-to-back wins, hey, good for him. Like, that's a good, that's, you know, something he can build off of and say, hey, for a coaching job in the future, look what I did. But no, it's the same old sorry-ass Falcons. They can't win games. And I don't know how you fix it. I mean, don't. You had the foundation offensively there. Defensively, they're terrible. But it seems that Matt Ryan, as good as he is, he's never going to be the guy taking over the hump. And he can't be blamed for them losing these games because the offense did the part. But you you need a change in culture at the end of the day. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, it's definitely culture. I'm going to take a little page out of my guy Shane Falco's book from the movie The Replacement. Yes. If, if you haven't seen it, highly recommend it. It's usually on TV at random hours. Very enjoyable film, um, football film. S- this team is, is in quicksand. They are taking one step forward and two steps back with almost everything they do. Their season is done. You know, It's so evident that they're just mentally not in it. And it showed with that Todd Gurley play. Todd Gurley has done that before successfully. He has stopped short of the goal line many, I think, yep. multiple times on the ramps, and he's done that to win games. Um, I just don't think this team has the motivation and the will to win. There's the talent, and there always has been. You know, they let the coach go. They have an interim coach now, and there's just they—they they all know it. It's not as if it's a secret in the locker room. The season is done. They're just kind of going through the motions at this point. Um, this Detroit team is a team they should have beat. That that Bears team is a team they should have beat. That Cowboys team is a team they should have beat. And I don't think Dan Quinn being gone necessarily changes anything at this point. It's a mentality thing. They need a new culture. They need a new coach. They need somebody to inspire, and they need a reason to play and and uh, the will to win. And that's not going to happen till next season. So um, I don't know that there's anything you can do this season to fix it. I think you just kind of have to fight it, fight through it, and and uh, prepare for the future. Yeah, and uh, it'll it'll be interesting. We talked a little bit about that coaching search earlier, and how Atlanta is sort of set up for a, a pretty good situation for whatever mm-hmm. coach comes in there. Yep. Uh, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see what what happens there. Yeah, for sure. Let's move on here. Let's talk about winners and losers from the past week. Durgan, we'll start with you. Let's keep it on the winning side, brighten the mood a little bit from this uh, discussion about Atlanta, and uh, talk about one of your winners of the week. Yes, the winners and this team are usually not correlated at all, but I'm going with the Washington football team. Uh, any team that's not affiliated with the NFC team, like Cyrus, you probably hate these guys, but me and Casey, I think we can both agree that we should be rooting for this team to win it all. Oh, not win it all. Win their division. Uh, Ron Rivera embarrasses the Cowboys on Sunday. Everybody loves that. <laughs> and then finishes his cancer chemo on Monday. He appears to be uh, on the right track, as he said. So that's incredible right there alone. Uh, and this team is playing as hard as they can, which is something you can't say about the Cowboys. I don't know if you can say it about the Giants. Eagles, I think they're playing as hard as they can, but it's not very pretty. Uh, and they're two-point conversion away from being in first place. And in terms of health, I think they're the healthiest team in the division. They have no talent, but they're healthy, and they're playing hard. <laughs> look at look at their next four games. Giants, Lions, Bengals, Cowboys. I think you can split that easily. Go two and two in that stretch, and you're still in the thick of things as you go down the last few games. I'm not saying they win, but I think I might put some money down on them to win. Great odds, plus 300. And 
I mean, look at them. They're not built to win, but they have guys who are playing hard, and that's all I ask for in a team. That's all I ask for. So good for them. Hope they win the division. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we can all enjoy the Cowboys losing on, on some level. My uh, thoughts go out to Andy Dalton, though. That oh, was a super gosh. dirty late hit uh, by Bostic. And, and, and uh, credit to Ron Rivera. He said after the game that that's, that can't fly. Like He knows better than that. And I don't know what they're going to do with Bostic, but I would be surprised if he's off the team pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, I, that's that's exactly what they're trying to take out of football. And he knows that. They're already up big. Like, there's no, like, why? what are you trying to do by by going in and, and trying to take a cheap shot on a, on a guy like that? Uh, and also an indictment on the Cowboys, because literally nobody on that team reacted or tried to defend mm-hmm. Dalton or uh, went after him, which is... Uh, not a good look for that culture and that sort of team building that McCarthy is trying to build over there. Um, but as far as the the Washington football team, yeah, they're hey they're right in the thick of things, and uh, you know this is uh, it always sort of turns back to the NFC East being bad. But I think one of these teams is going to get in with a losing record, almost mm-hmm. guaranteed at this point. Because uh, I mean, even if the the first place Eagles at two four and one, right? There's nine <laughs> games left. <laughs> there's oh, nine God. games left, and to be over five hundred, they would have to go six and three. Not happening. And they have a tough schedule that's, too. They have a pretty that, di- that ain't happening. Difficult schedules, so I don't see that happening either. Yeah, and you, you talk about the Cowboys. Uh, they're at two and four right now. Two and five. And uh, they play the Steelers, they play the Ravens, they play the 49ers, uh, and then they play the Eagles twice. So uh, I think one of these teams is, is definitely going to come out being 6-10 and 10 or 7-9 and nine maybe at best uh, out of the NFC East. And why not the Washington football team? Um, I think it, it really might be between them and the Eagles at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I'm so conflicted on the NFC East at this point. Just one quick thing, breaking news. Everson Griffin traded to the Lions for a six-round pick from the Cowboys. Oh. Um, so that, that just happened, or it will have happened yesterday when you're listening to this. But, you know, I'm I, all the respect in the world for Ron Rivera, right? Great coach. You know, I think he's one of the best in the league, and I I respect I respect the guy, but I feel like the Cowboys lost this game more than Washington won it. If if that makes sense, um, this Cowboys team is distraught. They their culture is very questionable at the moment. I don't know who's leading that locker room. Uh, clearly, clearly somebody needs to. Um, I honestly like I don't want to shift the conversation too much from the Washington football team, but listen, I don't think people would be super surprised to see a one-year exit from Mike McCarthy and Mike Nolan on this team. I think he made a mistake hiring Mike Nolan. I think they didn't do enough to to change this locker room culture and the the staff and sort of bring in a new regime. Um, I'm very I'd be very concerned if I was a Cowboys fan because this was your division to take. I know Dak Prescott got hurt. Andy Dalton's still more than capable, um, but with him hurt, I don't see anything happening here in the next few weeks. Washington is another story. It's a good, it's a you know good defense as far as things go. They have a really good pass rush, which helps everything. Um, it's going to come down to Kyle Allen and uh, what he can do in the future if they want to win this division. I mean, he had a really good stretch with Carolina last year. If he can replicate that, this team could go places. They could definitely win the division in what is shaping up to be a horrible division. Um, but 
I'm a little biased. I got to say, I think it's the Eagles to lose at this point. Even with all the injuries, it comes back to quarterback talent. With Dak hurt, with Andy Dalton hurt, you know, potentially coming back. Kyle Allen, question mark, is he going to be consistent? It's it's going to fall on, on Carson Wentz, who hasn't been consistent, but I still would take over these other guys. So as far as the division goes, that's where my head's at. But Washington, props to you for embarrassing the Cowboys. You will, you, I will hold you in... Uh, a high esteem for doing <laughs> such as as any team that does would would be held in high regard in, in my book but um yeah that's that, that was not what i expected in that matchup um and we'll see we'll see this all of a sudden in my you know in my opinion this nfc east race is actually going to be kind of interesting and and every team has a shot at this point um except maybe the giants i don't know we'll see but it's embarrassing but at the same time going to be exciting yeah i mean i agree it is the eagles to lose and you know props to the schedule makers maybe they knew last week of the season week 17 washington at philadelphia maybe for the division and a playoff spot yeah they always kind of do that right they backload some of the divisional games because they they could be exciting like i think we play the cowboys late too um so yeah smart week 16 very smart Uh, let's move on to your winner, Casey. Who do you got? Yeah, we touched on them briefly earlier. I've got the Lions, man. They're they're sitting at three and three. They're the nine seed right now uh, through through seven weeks, but uh, they're not out of it by any means. Matthew Stafford is playing really well. Uh, they're cutting down the turnovers. They have zero fumbles on the year. That's the first time that's ever happened in the NFL, having no fumbles through week seven. Uh, Stafford has been clutched. The defense has been playing well in spurts. Uh, I mean, you, you look back to their games this year. Uh, DeAndre Swift dropped the game-winning touchdown in Week 1 against the Bears. That would have made them 4-2. and two. Um, They got blown out by the Packers. Then they beat the Cardinals, uh, who are looking really strong. Uh, they should have beat the Saints as well. They gave that one away. They lost by 6 points. Then they beat up on the Jaguars, and then they came back here against the Falcons. So, I mean, they, they could have beat the Saints. They should have beat the Bears, and that would have put them at 5-1. At and one. This team is not that far away from being competitive. And, uh, you know, they're, they're sort of right in the thick of things. That offense is working. The, the defense has functioned well enough. Uh, they're still not very exciting, especially under Matt Patricia. But, uh, you know, if you have Matthew Stafford, if you have Kenny Galladay and Hawkinson making some plays, you're, you're going to have a chance. And uh, they're at least exciting to watch on offense. They're sort of like the, the, the Falcons, but uh, I have a lot more faith in them uh, and what they can do potentially. Absolutely agree. Uh, the fact they're not out of it, they're an exciting team because with Stafford, they're never out of it. They can score all day long if they want to. Uh, and they have nice running backs, actually. Yeah, Peterson. Carry uh, on Johnson, DeAndre Swift. But my problem is they're playing just well enough to not get Patricia fired, which I think uh, hurts them in the long term. But in terms, Very true. In terms of this season, I mean, they're in a tough division. Uh, Chicago, they got blown out Monday Night Football, but they're still a solid team, I think. Packers might be the best team in the NFC at this point. So they have a kind of a tough remaining schedule and a tough uh, road. But with the extra playoff team opening up, seven now, they got a chance to sneak in there. Yeah, I'm gonna make a hot take, bold prediction here. I for, okay. First off, let me preface this by saying I think Matt Matthew Stafford is criminally underrated. Constantly, he's one of the best QBs in the league that traditionally just hasn't had a great supporting cast. 
Um, you know, Kenny Galladay, legit. He's a good player. Uh, DeAndre Swift coming on a little bit here, but you know, you look at other teams that have more, and 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 uh, Matthew Stafford could be doing a lot better. And I and I think the team hasn't done enough to put talent around him. But I'm going to say this: first of all, Matt Patricia could get fired regardless of their record. Just in general, I think it's it could be just a shift in what the ownership wants at, at the head coaching position. Second. I think that I think the Lions could win the next six games on their schedule, in a row. I think they could go six and zero in the next in the next six games, then maybe teeter off a little bit towards the end of the season. But you look at the next six games, Indianapolis. The next one might be the hardest one. Then you face Minnesota, who is not looking like the Minnesota we expected. Washington, Carolina, Houston, who probably won't have anything to play for at that point. Chicago. That's those are all winnable, and if they win those next six games. Not only would they be in a position for the wild card, but they could be pushing the Packers for the division, depending on how the Packers do. So I'm just going to throw it out there. This team is underrated. Like Casey said, they're they're quietly sitting at 3-3, three and three, but big things could come, and they could surprise a lot of people. So I'm, I'm sold on Stafford. If they can stay healthy, I think that they could do things. If DeAndre Swift continues to develop, um, he, could be a, he could be a very dynamic back. So I, I like this team a lot. I'm I'm on board. I hate Matt Patricia. I think he's he's my least favorite coach in the league. So we'll see what happens there. But this team is going to surprise some people. That's my hot take. There you go. I'm with you. Yeah. Nice. Sweet. Let's move on to my winner. I have the Cardinals. Man, what a game we saw on Sunday night, right? In a battle of present versus future, Kyler Murray stole the show. You know, Russell Wilson, front runner for MVP, maybe not even, maybe not anymore. I don't know 100%. He, he still could be. Uh, but they edged out the unbeaten Seahawks 37 to 34 in overtime on Sunday night. That was a phenomenal game. Uh, the Cardinals never led until the end, until in overtime. So for them to come back, especially after their own head coach iced their, kick, their own kicker by poor clock <laughs> management, whew, man. Zane Gonzalez, clutch 48 yarder with 15 seconds remaining in overtime, got him the victory. And Russell Wilson, he played well, but he had three turnovers. He had three interceptions in this game to go along with three touchdowns, um, including one that basically sealed the game with that uh, Isaiah Simmons pick in overtime that led to the field goal. Uh, And then another one which led to basically a bunch of NFL memes with DK Metcalf being the Terminator chasing down Buda Baker. That was insane. Let's just say that right there. Like, DK Metcalf, no idea how that dude slipped to the second, third round dude is nuts like in terms of speed and size there's nobody like him um so but kyler murray impressed me I, you know i gotta say 34 of 48 uh 360 yards three touchdowns 67 yards rushing and a touch a rushing touchdown he out russell wilson russell wilson in this game and the cardinals are a legit playoff contender at this point the offense is dynamic defense still has a few issues uh, that need to be fixed but this is a really good team and and if I'm the Niners, I'm a little disappointed that the Seahawks didn't win, honestly, because you may be fighting for a wild card with the Cardinals at this point. Uh, I mean, the Cardinals are a wild card team, and not in the sense that they're in wild card contention, in the sense that you don't know where each week they're going to show up. They've lost to the Lions, who are a team they should beat. I mean, yes, we just talked about how good the Lions are, but that's a team they should beat. Uh, Kyle Murray is an up and down, but Sunday night he looked incredible. Uh, good for them. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, that was the trade of the offseason. He leads the league in receiving yards. And uh, there's a reason why Bill O'Brien uh, does not have a job, and that's one of the reasons. Uh, yeah, I agree. They're a playoff contender. I think they they will make the playoffs. 
at this point. They have a pretty easy schedule uh, in comparison to the rest of the NFC West since they were the team in last place uh, last year. They have relatively easier schedule. Uh, but I don't know if I'm all the way in on them being you know, a team that could win a playoff game. But in terms of them getting in, when you have Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, you got a chance. Isaiah Simmons, like you said, hasn't even played that much this whole year. Uh, so he made a huge play. That was good for him. Uh, shut a lot of people up on Twitter who were calling him a bust after the first seven games, which you can never call someone a bust this early. Uh, so good for him. If they can use him in a role that suits his skill style, this defense will be all right. Chandler Jones out for the year. That hurts him in their pass rush. But they did get a few sacks on Wilson. So good for them. Huge win. Cliff Kingsbury, still not a fan. But this is a season-defining win for this franchise. Yeah, I mean, I think the the Cardinals are starting to get over the hump. It's, it's sort of like you said, though. They have to be consistent. They beat the Niners in, in week one and got that monkey off their back. They beat the Seahawks just this last week. And, uh, you know, that's that's promising, especially within division play. And the, the Seahawks play a very uh, vulnerable type of game where they like these, uh, you know, shootouts, one-score games, and that leaves you open to one or two mistakes from your guy, uh, Russell Wilson, or if they have a fumble or anything like that, all of a sudden that uh, those close games go the other way. Even though they've historically been very good at winning those one-score games, um, they can easily go the other way, and, and we saw that this this last Sunday night. Uh, I mean, three three interceptions and three brutal interceptions yeah. uh, mm-hmm. from, from Russell Wilson. Uh, and if he doesn't throw even one of those, I think the, the Seahawks probably win. And uh, But props to the, the Cardinals. They took advantage. Um, props to DK Metcalf for giving the, the hustle and effort play of the, of the year so far. And, uh, you know, they're ex- an, an exciting team to watch for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Also, can we just talk about real quick, I think Durgan just hates any coaches that are younger than Shanahan at this point. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no? Who, who's a young coach I like? Boy, Matt LaFleur? Yeah, I like him. He's good. All right, there all right. Go. There you go. Touche, touche. <laughs> I, I, I just like Cliff Kingsbury because he had never accomplished anything, and he got a job well, you know, he's... somehow. And he tried to ice his own team. He did it last year, too. Well, that that wasn't entirely his fault. The special teams coach was saw it and well, yeah, notified him because he was talking to someone else, and the 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 clock was about to run out. Well, so yeah. that's that's more no. on the kicker but, and the but, long snapper. But why is not paying attention? Him. Why is not paying attention? That's a very Sean McVay uh, like move. But let's <laughs> speaking yeah. of speaking of losers, we should proceed pretty soon. Well, hold on, hold on, real quick. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to the most underrated receiver in the league, Tyler Lockett. I think he had like 200 oh God, yards yeah. and 15 receptions. His name is never mentioned in, in the top receivers when you when you have that conversation. Um, but he's always producing. And anyway, shout out Tyler Lockett. Durgan hates young coaches, including Sean McVay and Cliff Kingsbury. Go ahead, Durgan. Move on to your loser. <laughs> add, a, add Zach Taylor to that list, too. I hate him. But losers, this week, New England Patriots. Uh, if you saw the scoreline, if you watch the game, you know why. One of the worst losses in Belichick's time in New England. Offense looks terrible. Cam Newton, I'm afraid that we crowned him uh, too soon. His arm looks shot. Every throw doesn't look very natural. Like he's putting all his force into it. And granted, he has nothing to work with. I mean, his playmakers are terrible. But he's skipping throws. I mean, he's not putting them even in a position to make a play. Which, I don't know if that's maybe physical or just mental. Doesn't trust his receivers. Also troubling is their defense. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. and Jermichael Hasey just ran all over them. And this kind of took it. They, they just rolled over and died. 
Uh, this team is done. They have a brutal schedule coming up. It might be smart for Bill, maybe not this week, maybe not next week, but maybe the back half of the year to start Jerry Stidham. I don't think he's the answer. I don't think he's the guy, but you got to find out. And uh, if you trace Stephon Gilmore, maybe get a high round draft pick, start scouting next year's uh, quarterbacks. Because I think if you have a chance to Belichick, you still make the playoffs, but it does not seem like this is their year. It seems like the Bills and then the Dolphins are much better than them in their own division. Yeah, I mean, I, I could easily see them if if they keep losing even two two more. Uh, what's the point in having Cam Newton play? Like, he's not your long-term answer. Mm-hmm. So find out what you have in Stidham and, and see if that's worth rolling with or, or not. Um, certainly didn't look like it earlier when he was uh, got some spot duty with Brian Hoyer. But, uh, you know, you never know. And uh, Cam, you better, better start performing. Otherwise, this was your kind of last opportunity to be a starter. Um, you might be signed to be a backup somewhere. But uh, does not look good for the Patriots. Yeah, and for some context, when we look at Cam Newton here, he was 4 of 8 for 30 yards and two interceptions in the first half. Uh, not good. Not good at all. Threw a third interception after the half and then was benched. So this was by far his worst game of the season. I mean, we've seen him perform, so it's not as if he can't. Um, I, I've, I'm not ready to completely give up on the Cam Newton experiment at this point in New England, but at the same time, like you said, the organization as a whole needs to take a, take a hard look at where they're at and if they think they don't have the potential to even make a, a playoff push for a wild card spot, um, then you know you got to look towards the future. At least see what you got in Jared Stidham, and if anything, maybe get him some developmental time. Maybe he shows some flashes, and that you can flip him for a pick or something. Because this team, this team is probably looking towards a rebuild or a retooling very soon. So um, that that'll be interesting. And you know, one thing I just want to say without at the risk of sounding a little petty is I told you so but to both of you because I said the Niners would own this game last week and they did not as well, obviously to a degree I didn't expect they completely dominated but um you guys were out on the Niners Durgan worst Niners fan in history well I have to and, be wrong on him I have to be wrong I have to be negative that's my that's my role as Niners fan I can't be <laughs> uh pessimistic or I can't be optimistic about them you gotta Whenever be, I do that they lose pe- you got to be optimistic for the Niners listeners, though. They're all mad at you. They're like big J journalist, man. Big J journalist, right here. I don't know. I don't know. I think you were a li- <laughs> little J journalist last week, my man. Um, let's move on to your loser, Casey. Who do you have this week? Uh, I've got the the Jaguars, who are little J Jaguars because they're not playing very well. Um, Minshew Mania is in trouble, man. Uh, he's playing pretty well, but that team is not. Um, and as the team goes is sort of how Minshew is going to go, I think. Um, he, he has a 65% completion rate or percentage, 1,800 yards, 13 touchdowns, only five interceptions, and a 94.4 quarterback rating, which is pretty good considering they have, like, nothing around him. Uh, that defense is atrocious. They, you got DJ Chark and uh, a bunch of nobodies. Dee uh, Dee Westbrook and and some Chris Conley who are, are wildly inconsistent players, um, but if he was a first round talent, there'd be zero discussion of of benching him. And to make a comparison to Durgan's favorite USC quarterback, Sam Darnold, uh, you know Sam Darnold has three touchdowns and six interceptions on the year. He has a forty point one quarterback rating and is averaging four point four three yards per pass attempt, which is the worst in NFL history for a non rookie other than Jamarcus Russell. Uh, and, and nobody's really talking about benching Sam Darnold. Uh, so 
I think Minshew's playing well. The Jaguars just got he's got to will him to a couple more wins so that they can't draft Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. And if the Jaguars are out on on Gardner Minshew, trade the guy because he's playing pretty well. He has a little bit of a hype around him. He's young. He's on his rookie contract. Uh, somebody will take a shot on him and, and develop him or or slot him in as the the starter next year. Like now is the time. If you're if you're trying to tank, you know, start selling your assets. Well, first of all, no one's saying to bench Darnold because they've seen Joe Flacco play. And somehow he's actually doing worse than Darnold this year. And I think that actually Minshew isn't in a bad spot in Jacksonville. They're a terrible team, minimal talent. But Jay Gruden, pretty good play caller. And I don't think Minshew's doing that bad. So the reports that he was going to get benched in favor of uh, Mike Lennon, I couldn't believe. Mike Lennon, you know he sucks. And Minshew... Yeah, it might not be your answer, but it gives you the best chance to win. So I'm not really sure what's going on in Jacksonville. I don't think he gets benched, but I also don't think he's a long-term answer there. Uh, you can do a lot worse than him. But if you're a team that wants to rebuild and look towards the future, he can't be the guy to lead you. I'm sorry. I mean, he just doesn't have it. He's, he's very average. He's, he's His best-case scenario as a player is Derek Carr. And if you're getting a top-five pick this year, and get an elite quarterback prospect, you're going to move on from him. And it'd be easy to move on from him. You can get a second, third, fourth round pick. No problem, I think. You're saying Gardner Minshew's best case is Derek Carr? Best case scenario, he is Derek Carr. I think most teams in the league would take that, to be most honest. Teams. Derek Carr yeah. is playing uh, pretty 100%. well. And I, the, I'm not saying a problem with that, but I'm saying when you have a top five pick and you can get a superstar quarterback, are you going to try to get a guy with upside of... Uh, Josh Allen, even though you, you hit him, Cyrus, but upside of that level, or a guy who is, you know, just just good enough. You're gonna go with the upside. You're gonna go with the guy who can, you know, be a superstar. Okay, you know, I I, I don't know. I gotta disagree with you. First of all, I think Derek Carr is better than Josh Allen right now. If if I were to oh. pick between the two. Second of all, I think there's just <laughs> as much risk that any of these top quarterbacks you pick upcoming in the draft become Derek Carr as much as there is they become Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees. This is not a guarantee by any means. I mean, we've seen it happen. So upside. I... Upside, sure. But Gardner Minshew also has upside. The dude is like... How yeah. old is he, Casey? He's like 23, 24? Uh, he, yeah, I would assume so. I don't know. It's his second yeah. year. He's, he's, so. he's a fifth-year uh, quarterback, so he's probably 25. He's 24, 20, 25 in May. So there's plenty of upside there, in my opinion. And he's doing a lot with... Almost nothing. Like, almost literally nothing. I dare you to name four skill position players on this team. Chark, Robinson, Westbrook who's out, Conley, then they have Eifert now. That, okay, you achieved the dare. <laughs> but Cole, they're not Ke- good Ke- players. Cole, Cleveland Cole, whatever his name is. Sure, fine. A lot of mediocrity, though, in the skill position. Chark's he doesn't have much help. Chark's fast. He's, he's fast. He's right? good. He's, he's okay. He's doing what he can. But in general, this team is not giving him much. I, if they bench Minshew, they're basically saying we want to tank as an organization. That's oh, them yeah. wanting to tank. I uh, agree with that. Because he's done nothing to deserve to be benched. He's doing everything he possibly can to help this team win, given the fact that they basically gutted their defense a few years ago. They haven't given him any help on offense Name besides like DJ Chark. That's about it. So I don't know. I, I, I think the future is bright for Minshew. I don't think... Um, I don't think he deserves to be benched personally. So, 
that's my take. But let's that. let's move on. I here. agree. Yeah. He, he's I, a top five quarterback. I don't know about that, Casey. <laughs> calm, calm down a little, a little on that take. But I know we talked about my guy Darnold here, and we talked about um, Josh Allen a bit. So let's go on to my losers of the week. And it's sort of a take-your-pick situation here between the Bills or the Jets. I would say that they are both losers, maybe the Jets being the winner in this situation because they have not won, and maybe that is their goal at the end of the day. I don't know. But the Bills have, what do we like to say? What do I like to say? Regressed to the mean a little bit here, right? <laughs> Didn't score a touchdown against the Jets. They, they had six field goals. Josh Allen threw like 300 yards but couldn't punch it in. Um... I think this team is going to have some troubles moving forward, man. This Bills team is, is there's some red flags. They're not necessarily, a, you know, they came on extremely hot. Expectations were very high, and they are not living up to that, in my opinion, right now. So I'm going to pick the Bills as my loser, even though they won, because I think there has to be a little bit of concern in Buffalo moving forward. Well, I think the main problem is they can't run the ball. Uh, even Josh Allen, he didn't have a touchdown this past weekend, but still completed. Over 60% of his passes, uh, 69%, nice, uh, uh, 300 yards. But they have yet to have a 100-yard rusher, and only one game have had a rusher rush for over 70 yards. Singletary and Moss aren't the answer. Uh, when the weather gets cold, especially in Buffalo, got to be able to run the ball. And they can't do that right now. They got to figure out how to do that and do it. find out quickly how to do that. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's sort of it. They they don't they're not super dynamic on offense. They have a good passing game. Josh Allen's still playing pretty solid. The defense I think has regressed, and that running game is is almost non-existent. Um, so uh, those two things are, are really going to hold them back. Uh, it's just sort of whether that passing game can click enough to to keep them afloat and keep them competitive this year. I think they still should probably win the AFC East, uh, but uh, you know the Dolphins are, are nipping at their heels here. Yeah. It'll be interesting to follow that team because they've definitely uh, come back to the come back to earth a little bit there. Uh, let's move on to the games of the week for week eight. Looking forward to next week. The first game of the week we have is the Steelers at the Ravens. Durgan, what do you got? Steelers, I have been so right about them this entire year. So I'm predicting them to lose this week. 28-27 be a close game. I'm all about the hungry dog gets the bone. And this is a must-win game for the Ravens. If they lose this game... They go down two games, and both these teams have very easy schedules from here on out. And the Ravens are at home. But it comes down to Lamar Jackson, my guy, completing 56% of his passes the last four games, 26 in passing yards, 25th in completion percentage. So uh, I hate to say I was right about him too, but it's looking that way. Steelers D is no joke. This is going to be a fist fight. could be a great game. If you're to watch any game this weekend, this is the one to watch. But I think it comes down to the Ravens defense. Pick it up in Gawkway, who should be active this week. I think they'll be able to control the clock and keep the ball out of the Steelers' hands. And when Steelers do have the ball, shut down Connor and make him pass the ball. Because they have good corners. They have good secondary. Won't be the explosive office for the Steelers. Going to be a close, close game. Give me, a Steel- or give me the Ravens at home. Yeah, I, you know, despite how good both of these teams are, and they are very good teams, I just don't like either of them. Like not from like a personal standpoint. I just, maybe it's just like my philosophy on on football and that kind of stuff, and they're not my style. But uh, you know, the, the Steelers' run game is not great. Uh, the Ravens' run pass game is not great, and 
you know, if you can bottle up that that run game, they they look pretty one dimensional because, uh, you know, Durgan does seem to be onto something here with mm-hmm. with Lamar Jackson. I think he bounces back a little bit more, and he he's I don't think he's ever going to be an elite passer. Uh, I think he can be a a very good one or, or an above average one. Um, but he he didn't pick up where he left off last year and has definitely had some struggles. Um, so, you know, I, I also don't believe in Big Ben all that much. Um, the Steelers have a lot of weapons, but, uh, you know, I, I am just not very sold on them as a team. The defense is playing really well. Uh, Devin Bush is out, but, uh, you know, Micah Fitzpatrick is playing really well. They got uh, TJ Watt and they wreak havoc there. But uh, I just don't love either of these teams. I think it's it's going to be a slugfest. Um, the defensive line for the Steelers has enough there, even without Devin Bush, to slow down that run game uh, and make Lamar throw. And if that's something that's going to happen, I, I think that favors the Steelers by a lot. Um, and by a lot, I mean four points. I, I have the Steelers winning a, a, a tight game, 17-13. to 13. Yeah, I think I'm going to echo kind of what Casey's sentiments were here. I, I have the Steelers winning this as well by a small margin. I'm going to pick them 24 to 21. And it's really, it comes down to the fact that the Steelers have the second best rush defense this season, followed by the first best overall defense this season when we look at yards per game from both of those aspects. Um, I think this is going to be an interesting defensive matchup, but I trust the Steelers offense a little bit more at this point. Um, their weapons are stepping up. Claypool's looking like a legit option on that team. Deontay Johnson is a dynamic receiver. Juju's Juju. We know what he offers. Um, Connor, not elite, but can get it done at the running back position. I think the Steelers have the edge in this one slightly. And, and you know, if this was a matchup that we were picking prior to the season starting, I wouldn't have picked the Steelers. But at the moment, they're on a roll, and I'm not sure that the Ravens will be able to stop them in the end. So um, I'm going to pick the Steelers 24-21, and we will move on here to the Raiders at the Browns. Durgan, take it away. Both these defenses allow a lot of points, but one of these defenses has Miles Garrett and the other one doesn't. Uh, Bowles Garrett, arguably defensive player of the year so far. Nine sacks. Uh, he's showing that when he's on the field and not hitting anybody in the head with a helmet, he's a bona fide stud. And the Raiders defense has allowed over 30 points in all but one game this year. And I just talked about how I think this offense is going to be opened up without OBJ. I think Baker is just going to sling it. Kareem Hunt looks pretty good. Give me a close game, but give me their Browns, 35-31. I'm going to, you know, I flip-flop on the Raiders every week, but I'm back on the bandwagon this week. Um, they seem to be inconsistency, or inconsistent, and uh, that inconsistency ultimately bites them in the butt. And uh, for the Browns, you sort of have the same thing, but it's, it's really Baker Mayfield. And the one person that has been consistent for the Raiders is Derek Carr. Uh, we talked about him a little bit earlier uh, in comparison to Gardner Minshew, but his lowest quarterback rating all year was 97.5 against the Bucks. Every other week, he's had over 100 uh, quarterback rating, and he's playing really, really, really well. Darren Waller is going to be an issue for the Browns. I don't know who you can ma- put on, on him to match up well. Uh, Josh Jacobs has been a little bit quiet, and he's sort of primed to have a, a breakout day. Um, I think the Raiders just have more pieces matchup-wise uh, on offense to to be able to exploit that that Browns defense so I'm gonna ride with the Raiders 31 to 21 yeah and I swear I'm not copying you Casey but I also agree I think these are two <laughs> very inconsistent teams so it, it's really a toss-up in my opinion but what I will say is the Raiders are a team that have beaten the Chiefs they've beaten the Saints 
And then on the flip side, they lose to the teams like the Patriots and the Bills, who have both looked relatively normal um, as of late. But meanwhile, I mean, you look at the Browns, two close wins against the Bengals, who aren't necessarily a great team. You know, a smackdown against the Cowboys. They actually absolutely dis- destroy the Cowboys. I hold them in high regard, similar to Washington football team at the moment. Um, you know, and then they beat Washington football team and the Colts. Colts are probably the best team that they've beaten. Um, but when they played competitive teams, you know, we talk about the Ravens and the Steelers as the two matchups that they've played that are legit. They've gotten absolutely smacked. 38-6 to against the Ravens, 38-7 to against the Steelers. So I'm not necessarily sold that this Brown team can beat this Raiders team. And it really ultimately depends on which Raiders team shows up. And if it's the if it's the good team that we've seen that beat the Chiefs and the Saints, the Browns don't really stand a chance. So I'm going to pick the Raiders 34-30, to 30, but I could easily see it go the other way as well. And we'll see which team becomes the more consistent team here in this matchup. Let's move on. We got the, the 49ers at the Seahawks. Durgan, what do you think shakes out in this NFC West rivalry? <sighs> if you give me a healthy Niners team... I'm going to pick them. If you give me a Niners team with healthy Debo and Jeff Wilson Jr., who looked like Jim Brown this past week, I'm going to pick them. But we can't have nice things. Unfortunately, I'm picking the Seahawks 31-27. Seahawks defense is historically bad, but who do the Niners have? They don't have anybody besides Kittle right now. And I think Adams will be back, Jamal Adams for the uh, Seahawks. Uh, so he might be guarding Kittle, but no matter what, I'm just force-feeding him the ball. No matter how he gets the ball, just Get the ball in his hand somehow. Line him up at running back. That's what I did with Debo for a little bit. Ayuk uh, playing well for the Niners. Coleman might be back, but he doesn't have any juice. So I think Jermichael Hasty will be the guy getting carries. Uh, Jerick McKinnon, maybe a little bit, but he's so slow now. I can't really see him getting too many carries. Uh, and Russell Wilson owns the Niners. Plain and simple. I hate that guy. Uh, well, I love him watching play, except for he plays the Niners. Also last year, note, the Seahawks lost back-to-back Cardinals and Niners in week 16, week 17. I don't know if that happens again. That, that There's two well-coached and they're too good, but they are one-dimensional. I think I alluded to that earlier. If their pass game isn't perfect, they can lose anybody. Defense is bad. Run game without Carson is questionable. i still picking them, though. I, I don't think that this is Niners year. Uh, start looking for next year. We'll be fine next year, Niners fans. It'll be all right. Get a top 15 pick, get a cornerback, be back in the Super Bowl. You are very pessimistic about the Niners, so I'll, <laughs> I'll provide some optimism. I think the Niners are going to win. Uh, they've really impressed me the last couple of weeks. Shanahan, after that sort of implosion against Miami, has, has coached some really good games. Uh, he's varied the play calling. Mm-hmm. He's found ways to get the ball into people's hands and, and get them in open space, regardless of what, uh, you know, C level, D level, F level running back is is out there. Whether they just uh, were working at you know Sprouts the day before and <laughs> decided to come out and play, uh, he's going to find a way to get them a hole that they can run through. Uh, and the defense is playing a lot better, like you said. Chris Carson is out. Um, that that Seahawks offense is going to be a little bit one dimensional with the passing game. But luckily for the 49ers, their secondary is starting to get healthy. And um, their Fred Warner is one of the better cover linebackers in the league. Uh, he's running around doing a good job. That that defense is coming alive. And if you can shorten the game, sort of like you did with the the Rams, you're going to have a shot. And uh, at this point, I, it sounds weird to say, but uh, I trust the Niners to play a more consistent game and 
control the ball and um, be more disciplined than the Seahawks. Um, so because of that, I'm going to take the 49ers 27 to 23. One quick point to make. You mentioned how mm-hmm. Shanahan's getting guys off the streets to uh, come and play for them. Their practice mm-hmm. squad running back literally is off the street. He played with the Niners last preseason, wasn't on anybody's practice squad last year, wasn't on anybody's roster in the preseason. They signed him three weeks ago because he knows the playbook, and now there's a good chance if Coleman can't play that he'll actually be getting somewhat meaningful snaps against the Seattle Seahawks. So... FML, as the kids say, yeah. FML. <laughs> it's sort of a flip of last year where the Seahawks had to sign fucking Marshawn Lynch oh, at the last yeah. minute to, to come back. But oh. uh, maybe you can get Frank Gore. Make a trade for hey. Frank Gore from, I'll from take, the Jets. I'll take anybody at this point. There. Give me anybody. Eagles legend Frank Gore. Um, <laughs> look, listen, Niners fans, Niners, you guys will be fine. Just not in this game. This, this is going to be the Seahawks game. I actually think that we see sort of a similar game to what we saw with the Seahawks in Arizona. Um, in terms of the fact that it, it will be a shootout, I think back and forth, both these defenses are sort of a sort of a shell of what they used to be. I mean, the Legion of Boom has been long gone in Seattle. Their defense is not very good. Um, Niners just it's going to be sustaining a ton of injuries. I mean, this this D line is the engine that drove this car um, to the Super Bowl last year, and I don't know that it's it's going to be able to do the same. And I think Russell Wilson is going to be the the key difference maker as we've seen in a few games this year. And he'll take the Seahawks to victory, 35-30 to 30 over the Niners. But it will be an exciting game for sure. Let's move on to the next one here. We got the Saints at the Bears. Durgan. So this game is with two teams that one's overachieving the Bears and one's kind of underachieving with the Saints. So this pick will make no sense by picking the Bears 28-24. Uh, Foles has been so bad that I think he's eventually going to have a good game. He is a new Ryan Fitzpatrick. The Saints have won the last three games, but all by less than a touchdown, and all against teams they should have beat by a lot more than just a touchdown. Having issues with Thomas, Michael Thomas that is, assuming he plays, maybe he doesn't, who knows at this point. Bears D, I think, played decently well Monday night until the very end when they knew that they were going to lose and kind of just gave up and rolled over. Uh, Bears offense, a lot of question marks. I think I have a weird feeling that it's going to go off this week and score like 35 points, but I have them at 28, so 28 24 in a close game. Uh, well, plug, I'm doing a breakdown on the Bears defense this week uh, and, and how they do safety rotations and run um, some some slightly interesting coverages to, to force quarterbacks to, to hold onto the ball a little bit and make some bad decisions and let Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks sort of get to the quarterback and create sacks and stuff like that. Um, and as, as much as I love their defense, uh, dude, that offense looks bad. I mean, that's kind of the second time in the last couple of weeks with Nick Foles that offense has put up three points. Um, they had a garbage time touchdown against the Colts, uh, within like the last four or five minutes or something that, that got them to 10 points and the defense scored, you know, a touchdown here against the Rams. So two separate weeks where Nick Foles is really putting up two or three three points, not getting in the end zone for for his offense in any meaningful time, and you know the Saints defense has not played great. I think they're sort of playing below their talent level, um, but I just don't think even when the Bears are holding the Rams to you know twenty four points, it just feels like you know once you get two scores up or even a touchdown up on the on the Bears, it just feels like you can't come back. So. 
for that reason, I'm going to take the Saints 24 to 16. And, uh, you know, it'll be fun to watch that defense fly around for the Bears. And I think they're, they're going to give Drew Brees a lot of trouble. But uh, I just don't think the Bears are going to be able to compete on the other end and score enough points. Yeah, Durgan, you're a mad man. You are insane, <laughs> my friend, for picking the Bears. This is this is looking like one of the most anemic offenses I've seen in a while. Um, and just for that reason alone, I don't think they're going to be able to keep pace with the Saints. The Bears defense will bring it, and unless the Bears defense scores like two touchdowns, I don't think they have a shot. I'm going to say the Saints take this 27, Bears 10, um, and we see a little bit more of what we saw this past week with the Bears, um, which would be unfortunate. But... Uh, that moves us to our final game of the week. We have the Toilet Bowl, the Chargers at the Broncos. I don't know if this is a Toilet Bowl. What do, I don't know. Um, is it the, well, is it, the other the other option was the Eagles and the Giants, but I just put you guys in that last week, so I, I didn't really want to. You mean the you Eagles know, and the Cowboys? Dude, uh, yes, yes, sorry. That might have been more, Giants more, is next week. more fitting, yeah. uh, to be honest. I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I didn't want to double dip on the Eagles. Yeah, hate, so. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, let's <laughs> talk about this game. Durgan, uh, what do you think happens? Who you got? Yeah, uh, the Chargers are a very good two-win team. I have one here. Two-win team. Uh, they could realistically have beaten the Saints, beaten the Chiefs, beaten the Bucks. So they can play. Um, Justin Herbert, absolute stud. We've talked about this and how wrong we were. Broncos aren't very good. Drew Locke kind of banged up. Uh, I think he plays, but maybe not. If he does, I don't think it makes a huge difference, to be honest. I think it's a blowout. Uh, 35-21. No, L.A. Chargers. L.A. Chargers. (laughs) Not San Diego. Good good correction. Definitely not San Diego. We almost... Yeah. Almost almost fell for it. But I, I sort of feel similarly. I think the Chargers are... You know, for me, it comes back to to quarterback play. And I know you guys both love Drew Locke, but I do not. And Herbert looks good. Locke does not. Um, Locke has thrown four interceptions since coming back from injury. He has quarterback ratings of 34.9 and 57.7 in his last couple games. And he's thrown one touchdown on the entire year. So uh, if you're not getting quarterback play that's uh, scoring you points, you're going to have a tough time. Justin Herbert is throwing touchdowns left and right against every caliber of team. Um, you know, very impressed with him, and it looks like the the Chargers have the quarterback of the future. So I'm going to take the Chargers, 27 to 14. Listen, love is a strong word when it comes to Drew Lock. I never said I love Drew Lock. Uh, we can rewind I the said, tape, sir. I uh, strongly right, like hey, him. Listen, I I believe in his potential. Is is what I would say. I think it's too soon to write him off. He hasn't really had even a full rookie season in terms of game time. So um, quarterbacks take time sometimes. I mean, we saw it with your boy Josh Allen. I know I texted you this, but he was not. He's he was he played worse in his rookie season than uh, than Drew Locke is playing right now. So there's there's a chance. I'm just saying that he has the arm talent to the potential. His number one receiver got hurt. That team is not necessarily playing up to their talent. Um, but on the flip side of things, I am willing to admit I was 100% wrong on Herbert. The dude is phenomenal he is up there with with joe burrow right now in terms of production and and in terms of uh offensive rookie of the year potential i mean four total touchdowns last week i think he had like 66 rushing yards which is the most ever by a chargers qb which is interesting in a single game um he had 347 yards on the day that's the second player in nfl history to begin your career with five straight 250 uh yard passing games 
next to uh, our boy Patrick Mahomes, which is a great sign if you're the Chargers. You're looking at this like, man, do we have the next Mahomes? You probably don't, but you have a great quarterback prospect. Um, so I, I'm like blown away with what Herbert is doing right now. I, and this is all without Austin Eckler. I think Trey Turner's out, Brian Belaga's out, and he's doing well under pressure too. I mean, he ranks 12th in accuracy percentage while under pressure. And, uh, and dude, you can't really fault the guy. Like he has earned the starting job. And the only thing you can say is why, why is it taking this long for them to give him the starting job? Like he, dude, if he was playing like this in practice, your co- why is your coaching staff not like rushing him out on the field game one? Cause the dude looks ready and he is performing like he is. Agreed. Yeah, I, I hear you. And, uh, you know, feel a little bit bad for Tyrod Taylor, but. That. that's the way the, the cookie crumbles man i mean you feel bad for him until you see herbert play and to see how much better he actually is than tyrod taylor then it's like oh yeah yeah it's gonna happen eventually yeah it's unfortunate but that's part of the game and that's unfortunately sort of tyrod taylor's career arc has been similar to this straw small yeah. microcosm but um you know that that's that's it and if you're a chargers fan you're stoked right because you're not even at 100 percent, and you're team is looking good i mean all their losses to good teams have been by one score and who knows what happens if you have a few more key pieces during those games so um lots of optimism to go around in los angeles not san diego maybe some still still some fans in san diego but not the not san many. diego chargers the not los many. angeles chargers um but i think that is going to wrap things up here on episode 62 of the weekly spiral do you guys have any final thoughts before we sign off no all good no nope. All right. Please check us out. Do us a huge favor. Check us out. Our website is weeklyspiral.com. You can find all our social handles there, uh, Instagram, Twitter, you name it. We are on it. Uh, Before we head out, do you guys want to plug any upcoming content you have, Casey? I know you mentioned you're doing a breakdown on the Bears defense. Where can people find this? Yeah, they can go to weeklyspiral.com or they can go to youtube.com slash weeklyspiral. Yeah, some interesting stuff that the Bears are doing, and uh, they have one of the best pass defenses in the league right now, and I'll sort of explain some of the reasons why. Awesome. Looking forward to that. Durgan, what about you, my man? Kenneth Gainwell, former Memphis running back. Scouting report on him. By the time, before the next one comes out, I'll have Mock Draft 1.0 coming out. Mock Draft season, ladies and gentlemen, it's here. (laughs) nice nice excited for that draft season is my favorite season uh this has been a weekly spiral production bringing you fresh football every week thank you again for sticking with us on for episode 62 we are super excited to be covering the nfl season with you guys and we look forward to episode 63 next week